Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hey, Lizzie. Hey, Sam. It's not called gymnastics. <laughs> you can't cut me off. Yes. This isn't a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. I'm glad you referenced Bring It On. Before we get into it, we'd like to thank you beautiful patrons. And our beautiful listeners. Um, your support, every listen, means the world to us. If you have not yet checked out our Patreon, we've got monthly bonus episodes, voting rights, merch. You get to peek behind the curtain of what the fuck we do here at Subtextual. <laughs> and if joining us on Patreon is not your thing, you can find us and support us through following us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, sending us a message, sending us an opinion. Honestly, we're not just talking into the void here. We we want to know uh, what in our episodes resonates with you and what infuriates you. <laughs> um, but yeah, regardless, we really thank you for pressing play on this episode. And welcome to a movie that fucking changed my little gay life forever. Yes, I mean, stick it seminal piece oh and this is not a movie that i feel like is very popular or is very seen like when i watched this movie as a young person none of my friends gave a single shit about it but me yes same really absolutely well i mean other than my gay friends right yeah like straight people couldn't give two whole shits about this fucking movie (laughs) and um I know, listener, you're saying, is this movie gay? Oh, my God. <laughs> you're actually not saying <laughs> No that. one has ever asked. To be honest, though, I never really considered this as a gay movie, even though it's a movie I watched incessantly growing up. Mm-hmm. I never really took the time to consider Haley's character as, like, a queer character, but she fucking is. Yeah, like, talk to me about the first time you saw this movie. Like, what were your takeaways? Like, how'd you feel about it? Oh, there is no, like, first time I watched this movie. I've, like, literally seen this movie dozens of times. So, in our Jennifer's Body episode, you talked about how you had, like, an iPod Nano. A touch. An iPod Touch, and you had the script of Jennifer's Body downloaded, and you would just read it, whatever. When I had my first job working in a fast food restaurant and my first major purchase was an iPod Touch, the first thing I purchased with my iTunes account was Stick It! The Movie. I still to this day have it downloaded on my computer in my iTunes account. I used to watch this movie on my breaks. I used to watch this movie on weekends. I listened to the soundtrack all the time. This movie was truly a part of my personality. And I was also one of those girls that wanted to be a skater. But uh, never ice princess. <laughs> exactly. But never but not like an ice skater. Like a cool skater. Like rocket power. Ah. Oh, I see. With wheels. With wheels. Yeah. Like this grungy kind of emo girl. I never got the opportunity to be that because I was too busy making straight A's at a Christian school. Working at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Working at Chick-fil-A. I've come so far. Uh, but this movie is so important and, and so enjoyable to me uh, as an adult. And rewatching it, I rewatched it. Pretty often, probably every couple of years. Um, but rewatching it for this episode, I was like, the craft of this movie is better than I remember it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you like are pointing out it seems silly when you look back as a kid, like the things you were obsessed with are so like unattainable. Like I know mm-hmm. like lesbians <laughs> who like wore like pocket watches and oh. like horn rimmed glasses because they like Sherlock Holmes or whatever. And it's funny because like you relate to these characters you want to be just like them but you are like so suburbanized and 
you know, in high school trying to figure out like who the fuck you are. Like, I think a lot of confused teenagers landed on this movie and had a fixation on it and couldn't place exactly why. And I think that is reason enough for us to cover it. And we'll find some more reasons, probably. Definitely. But what you're saying about, like, coming to this movie and, like, finding these characters with such intense interests and intense personalities, like Haley in this film, like, looking back to how I was, you know, like, I was a needy, you know, harking back to our Jennifer's Body episode, like, I was very bookish and quiet and shy. And what I wanted to embody was, like, the confidence of a Haley and the confidence of like a Shane from the L word. Yeah. And, you know, de facto, they were like super hot. And I wanted to be in a relationship with someone like that, you know, way back in my mind that was happening. But like the the pure confidence, confidence of this character in particular, like still sticks with me today. And then there's the whole issues of her family. I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, that I mean, there's so many character traits of Haley that read super, super queer to me. And I'm you know, to probably every queer woman that's like watched this film. And it, it it's imbued in like every single scene, like her clothing, a super alternative one, masculine two. And she has this resistance to like a feminine performance, which we've seen in like, she's the man. Yeah, It's almost that exact same, like, I don't want to wear a dress. I just want to do my sport and I want to be badass and I don't want anyone to judge me for it. As well as this complete lack of interest in like, every male friend her age who are all conventionally beautiful. Like, it's fucking Kellen Lutz. Yeah, it's fucking Emmett. (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's a Cullen. Yeah. (laughs) And she's totally not interested. There's not even a semi-attempt at her finding any sort of romantic interest in this film. And in fact, she, like, directly refutes um, any questioning of whether she would want to be with her male friends. That, to me like points towards a queer character that's just not like that's not the story we're exploring with them at this point like their relationships is not what we're exploring at this time but I could see another movie where maybe this like blonde person she had like this feud with back in her day was like there's something going on there yeah if if she's not being shoved towards a man she's a lesbian in my book well that's funny like people have read Haley and Trish Trisha as like exes, you know, lesbians like to call them like, oh, that's when you see your ex. But also like you mentioned in the like Bend It Like Beckham episode, this movie is gayer because I know when they get to college, yeah. there's another movie where they figure out their sexuality. And the same could be said here. Like Haley seems very much in the closet maybe at this time. And she has so much going on that it's like, it yeah. really isn't the place in her life to like explore that. But it does seem like something that would happen naturally after. Absolutely. Like what? She's going to meet some guy named Mark and like date him? Like and what does he do? He's a baseball player? Like n- <laughs> there's no other scenario that fits other than she meets another woman at a certain point and they continue on their merry way. Maybe it's Trisha. Who knows? Hey. And if all of that wasn't enough, there's one scene that has started enough gay people on their journey to being gay that makes this film a, a, a column in gay cinema. Do you a know the column. scene I'm talking about? Is it the entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll point it out to, to you when we get to it, but I, I think the listeners might know what I'm referring to. Okay. Um, but yeah, if we're getting into the production... It was directed by Jessica Bendinger, writer of Bring It On. No way. Okay, 
I just gotta say, for all the time I've spent watching this movie, I have done no looking into the background. I don't know any of the actors' names other than Kellen Lutz, so I am I'm hanging on every word right now. <laughs> it thrills me that the director is not only a woman, but is responsible for one of my favorite films of all time, Bring It On. It's so funny in the beginning when you're like, it's not a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. And that is like the same tone. I mean, she was like, we'll talk about the reception after this, but yeah, she had a huge hit with Bring It On in 2000. She also wrote Aquamarine <gasps> 2006. I'm pretty sure it's about a girl who's half sushi. <laughs> I think she has sex through her blowhole. <laughs> I really hope she watched Jennifer's body and heard that line and was tickled because that's an incredible nod to your work. She was also a writer and creative consultant for Sex in the City. Cool. Did she direct any other films or TV? Or This is the only film that she's directed. What? Um, that's unbelievable because I do I do think that this film has a definite style and also that the script is pretty airtight with like – you know, a couple of holes towards the end. But in terms of like the character motivations, airtight. Yeah. I like that you mentioned the style because the cinematography was done by a man named Darren Okada, who was the cinematographer for Mean Girls. These so, people are so responsible for my personality. So you're getting the like the dialogue from Bring It On. Yeah. You're getting the like comedic framing and pacing of Mean Girls. And I think it's really effective. I, I fuck with it a lot. And there, there's also some really creative cinematography and like shots that are just like beautiful and did not need to fucking happen because this is like a teen comedy from 2006. Right. Like it really does have like an elevated editing style and an elevated cinematography. And even like the down to the costumes, everything is so in line and so clearly represented. I always wonder, I mean, still to this day, like so many people in my life haven't even heard of Stick It, much less seen it. And I wonder what kept it from the fame that Bring It On got and Mean Girls got. And, you know, part of me, my my producer brain is like, well, there's no stars in Stick It. Or like, you know, not the caliber that we see in Mean Girls and such. But yeah. like what kept this film with more heart and just as much pizzazz and just as much amazing writing from reaching as many audiences is it because of the nicheness of gymnastics like how niche is cheerleading <laughs> yeah i i will get more into like what kind of held this film back at mm. reception okay but I, I think you make a really good point bring it on is just as like elusive as gymnastics is and they're you know women's sports are usually rolled over in consideration of men's sports and movies about football and all the baseball i don't know if i don't Other fucking balls. watch those but like they're pretty successful. Yeah. But I think that the writer and the director, Jessica Bendinger, does a fantastic job in Bring It On, which I'm sure we're going to have a whole episode of breaking down the world <laughs> of cheerleading, which is not a world I was ever even mildly interested in, while captivating the story and the characters. I think she does the same in this film, but like as Lizzie was referencing, like there are not any A-list actors other than Jeff Bridges, who is not right. the audience it is marketed towards. Yeah. Which, by the way, kind of totally forgot about Jeff Bridges, but fantastic job. Oh, absolutely. I How did they get him? He's so good. I mean, maybe he connected with the role. It is like a nice, juicy role, and it has like a lot of um, layers to it. He gets to jump on a trampoline. <laughs> What's not to like? I say, how do they get him? But basically, all of the adult actors or more senior actors are well-known in their craft and have many accolades, while many of the younger actors are either actual professional gymnasts or brand new to the scene. So as we meet all those characters, I'll let you know if they're known or if they're not or what they've been in. 
But without further ado, let's, let's, go. let's stick it. Let's stick it. If I was lucky, I would have gotten sentenced to juvie. Instead, I got sent back to the world. I thought it escaped forever. Welcome to the Vickerman Gymnastics Academy. What is she doing here? Why all the hate? When you walk out on finals and lose Team USA some team gold, it's not personal, it's national. Bailey Graham has come out of retirement to train with us. You've really gotten skinny, fat. <laughs> oh, goody. <sighs> Lizzie, what a kick ass trailer. I feel like I could do a somersault. I right feel now. like I have abs. <laughs> Nothing has ever made me want abs more than this fucking movie. This and the reality TV show So You Think It Can Dance is what put me into like a frenzy of sit-ups in high school. <laughs> An absolute frenzy. Well, we can't all be as lucky as Missy Peregrim. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Peregrim, uh, who plays Haley. God damn, like a powerhouse. So please tell me everything you know about Missy Peregrim. Like, is she an actress? Is she a gymnast? Does she do anything oh. before this, after this? Yeah, yeah. Missy is an actress. So yeah, she's been in like a ton of TV, like a huge ton. She was in Black Sash as Tori. She was in Life As We Know It as Jackie. She was in Smallville, Heroes, <gasps> Reaper, Cymergeddon, Rookie Blue, uh, Law and Order, Van Helsing. And right now she's currently in a show called FBI. So like she's okay. primarily in TV. But is she a gymnast? Not a gymnast. So she doesn't perform those stunts? She just has abs. Like that is so crazy that you could just like casually have abs. But 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 who who does her her stunts and shit? Oh yeah. Oh, I can talk about that. Yeah, for days. Is it a different person? Yeah. It's a different person. <laughs> I'm sorry, my shattering things for How you. How did they do that? Yeah. Usually I'm so good at telling when it's a body double. I, this is, I'm being so real with you. I had no clue. I thought she was like a, an Olympic level athlete. I think the only reason I knew that she wasn't a gymnast was because I was like really obsessed with her mm -hmm. and like tried to watch those other shows I listed, but they were like not my bag whatsoever. She's really serving like Hillary Swank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but no, she's yeah. not a gymnast. I wish I knew more about what kind of training they had to do, the actors, to get ready for these roles. But there's not a lot on the internet to be known about yeah. the production. But some of the actors themselves are actual, like, gymnasts uh, yeah. and, like, Olympic-placed gymnasts. Damn. So we see a lot of also nods and cameos to incredibly talented gymnasts. It just flies right over my head because I don't know who any of them are. Right, like the smaller gymnast who does the bar routine. Nasia Lukin. Yeah, I recognized her. I, I was a huge fan of gymnastics. I used to go to the meets in my hometown for the college there because they were like nationally ranked. And it's really impressive to see this shit in real life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I saw Stick It and I was like, well, we got to keep going, mom. <laughs> um, but I recognized her from watching the Olympics as a kid. Yeah, yeah. She's a U.S. national champion, bars and beams world champion, silver medalist world champion all around and floor. Hell yeah, bitch. You better work. And she has like a great cameo in this film where she gets like a, a whole line. <laughs> <laughs> How generous. Yeah. I mean, if I worked day and night as a gymnast and someone was like, okay, you have a line in a movie, I'd be like, uh, why? What? <laughs> what? Um, but yeah, so we meet Haley and her friends, Frank, who is played by Kellen Lutz, Emmett Cullen, which is, this is actually his first film ever. Really? Mm -hmm. I love her two friends. Their banter is 
golden. And I really like the dynamic because they are good friends to her, too. They always show up for her. And, you know, that's important. And, yeah, so there's Frank and Poot. Poot. What the fuck? Why is his name Poot? (laughs) He is a little Poot. I, like, actually hate that in my bones and in my body. Like, why is his name Poot? I'm going to change your name to Poot in my phone. Poot Lovato, please don't. Poot De La Fuente. (laughs) Please don't. Please. So this actor might look familiar to you. His name is John Patrick Amadori. Um, He looks familiar to me because he played young Ashton Kutcher in The Butterfly Effect. Okay. I love that movie, but yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, so anyways, Poot, (laughs) Frank and Haley are on their bikes and they're like going through pools of like undeveloped houses, like Lords of Dogtown style. Also love that fucking movie. Thank you for bringing that up for me. You're welcome. Lizzie is obsessed with that movie. Is it, can we do it on the pod? Probably. I haven't seen it in a while, but a lot of Catherine Hardwick's work is relevant to this podcast. So uh, you know what? I'll watch it for us, do a little recon and get back to you. You would do that for me? I I really would do that for you. (laughs) So some lame skateboarders wearing helmets, so that's how you know they're lame, Brink-style like Tony Hawk pro skater challenged them (laughs) for the rights to this pool. And we get some choice Fall Out Boy songs in this film. The song choices in this film are absolutely stunning. The soundtrack is impeccable, but I do want to take a quick moment because this is going to be a short episode to talk about my love for Fall Out Boy. Um, (laughs) So the song you hear in this scene is this one. I found the cure to growing older And you're the only place that feels like home so you know, you'll never know and Some secrets weren't meant to be told But I found the cure to growing older I'm playing this song because it comes up a, a few times in this film, but also because I want to take a little tangent, a little walk down memory lane <laughs> to let you know that this album is the first album I ever bought with my own money. Oh my God. It was probably on CD. It was on CD, came out in 2005, so I was 10 years old. Oh my God, the taste you had at 10, impeccable. My mom refused to go into Hot Topic because it scared her, (laughs) so she gave me my allowance and sat down on a bench outside of Hot Topic. The mom bench, they like strategically put a bench there for moms. (laughs) I walked in there and I went to the CD rack and I chose it because I had seen a lot of their music videos on Fuse. Do you remember Fuse? Yep, yep. <laughs> and I like went to the counter and they like looked at me weird. Um, and I bought this album. And this is probably the most played album of my whole entire life. Like even now, I was like a full grown adult. I believe that to be true 100% because like I know you love Fall Out Boy because it'll kind of just like come up in everyday life with you <laughs> and I like we're at Costco and somehow we're talking about fallout boy where we're getting wine I uh, can't help it it's there's truly an amazing band and this album I also own this album CD I was probably I guess at this time 15 <laughs> so it made a little bit of bomb me alcohol <laughs> cigarettes Cigarette. what, what do you want kid Xanax <laughs> um yeah it's stellar album but it, it like all of the music, I mean, I feel like we're talking about Jennifer's Body again. Like, I feel like this soundtrack slaps just as hard as the Jennifer's Body soundtrack. I do want to say Lizzie's talking about how much I bring up Fall Out Boy, but I received a text from her today saying, did your fiance change her number? Because I keep texting her about 
Manchester Orchestra, and she is not responding. (laughs) (laughs) She eventually did get back to me. I was letting her know they were coming to town. She said, I didn't respond to you because I can't go because I have a wedding that day. And I said, I'm so sorry to trigger you. I will be there for the both of us. My fiance and I went to when we were young this weekend or tried to, but the first date got canceled. So we didn't get to see anyone. And she's very upset. You just brushed past that. That's like a major trauma traumatic life event i've talked to my therapist since and i'm okay i'm i'm fine (laughs) this movie definitely didn't trigger any of that anyway anyway (laughs) moving along so Haley does this trick we really went down that lane and now we're back so if you'll remember we were talking about Haley doing a trick or a stunt (laughs) uh which she does well yeah, but she eventually flies headfirst through the window of an unfinished house. The police are called. They run from the police, but unfortunately, Haley gets arrested with $14,000 in property damage. For a single window? That seems oh really God. steep, right? I and mean, the prizes of housing developments is just skyrocketing. <laughs> um, so at court, there is a lot of really accomplished adult actors in this scene. So the judge is played by a woman named Polly Holiday. Did you recognize her? Mm-mm. She plays Gloria in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. Yeah, she okay. plays Mrs. Deagle in Gremlins. Uh, but I noticed her from playing the camp counselor in Parent Trap. Yes. I d- <laughs> yes, that is so clicking. So the judge is played by Polly Holiday. We meet Haley's dad, who's played by John Grease, uh, who's Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> You might notice him more recently from The White Lotus, but he's also in one episode of The X-Files. Wait, really? I'll I'll find out which one to get back it's to It's called you. Sleepless. I like. Oh, yeah. I remember him from that episode. That episode's pretty dry because it's one of the few that's like not hilariously supernatural. But any friend of X-Files is a friend of mine. Yep. Uh, Haley's mom is played by Gia Caridis who you'll notice from Um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Is there an episode where we go without saying the name of that movie? I hope not. (laughs) I think we can, we should just always bring it up. She plays Cousin Nikki in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, as well as Liz in Strictly Ballroom. I love that movie. Because I love Baz Luhrmann, and I'm going to get crucified for that, but I don't give a fuck. We're not getting into that on my episode of Stick It. Not my episode. (laughs) My episode. (laughs) Um, So basically, the judge tells Haley she has a choice, either going to Juvie or VGA, a gymnastics training camp. And she chooses Juvie. The judge says, great, VGA. (laughs) So we get to see Haley in her room. I'm only mentioning it because it is giving like 10 things I hate about you. She's the man, Juno, where you see these queer coded characters who are meant to be straight in these rooms that are just like littered with like posters, graffiti, paint on everything, ironic photographs. Mm -hmm. Her room is no exception. She gets her stuff and arrives at VGA where we meet Bert, who's played by Jeff Bridges. The back and forth between these two characters is, yeah, he's got a great presence with, in this film in particular, but in general, where he's always just, like, staring down Haley and, like, forcing, like, he he's one of the few people in her life that, like, won't back down from her. And I really like how their relationship unfolds. Yeah, he doesn't meet her remarks with, like, sni- with the same snide attitude. He takes her remarks earnestly. So she'll be like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do, old man? This, this, and this. And he's like, well, Haley, if that's what you want to do, I'll see you at home five miles that direction and drives off. You know, it's like I'm matching your like sarcasm. And 
if kind you, of calling her bluff in a way. Exactly. Like if you want to be taken seriously like an adult, I'm going to listen to you when you speak. Yeah. So you better mean what you say because mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you accountable to it. Yeah. And I think that's probably something, I mean, daddy issues, right? But that's probably something that she doesn't get a lot from the adults in her life. Absolutely. No, her mom's always trying to shove her in this box. Her dad has gone behind her back to, you know, bribe the court and bribe Bert to take her back. You know, so she has no control over her life. And he's like the one adult that, you know, and there is an arc there of her having to kind of reach that level of trust with him. But they do get there. And that's really the only stable adult relationship in her life. No, absolutely. So everyone at VGA hates Haley because she walked out on Worlds losing Team USA, Team Gold. So I've got to be honest, folks. I don't know the first thing about gymnastics. And everything I do know is based solely on this movie. (laughs) So I guess like... If you get to Worlds, then you have a chance at the Olympics. And I guess that's how that is. So, like, if if you're really young, you get to Worlds, and that's, like, the biggest thing you can do. So, basically, Haley got to Worlds and then walked out, meaning that the team couldn't place as high as they normally would, which is, like, a big no-no. So, she said, in the world of gymnastics, hating me was pretty much a sport. <laughs> Bert is a premier gymnastics coach, though his business model now is selling parents delusion. <laughs> Delusion. Delusion. Convince yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But Bert tells Haley if she doesn't train, she'll go to jail. So training she must. And train she does. (laughs) So the next day, Joanne, who's played by Vanessa Langis, um, who you might recognize as Sugar Mata from Glee. Joanne's really a standout in this movie. She says some crazy shit. Yeah, like if you're looking for the subtextuality in this film – the easy route is to like push some dynamic on Joanne and Haley, which is like, there's something there, but I, you know, I think it's very surface level, but the like advanced route is to <laughs> suspect that like Haley and Trisha are exes. Yeah. That is what seems the most obvious to me. Mm. Because I think there is a little bit too much animosity between Joanne there. Um, but also they can conveniently shove the like hetero relationship that every teen movie needs to have onto Joanne and Poot and kind of exclude Haley from that requirement. Very so conveniently. For that I appreciate. And then like the Joanne Poot whole cycle is just so good. Call me stalk you. So Joanne is Haley's biggest hater. Um, <laughs> I wrote totally lesbian gay for her. Uh, <laughs> you totally want to dry hump her. <laughs> like hump her through her pants. <laughs> After slinging insults, they have like a little homoerotic tussle, which I think is cute. So Bert takes Haley to dinner, tells her of an upcoming meet where she can earn the restitution for the property damages, the 14k that she owes the court. And Haley says she's sick of being judged and has no interest in being obedient. And Bert says, for someone that's hates being judged. You're one of the most judgmental people I've ever met. See? He's like, I hear you, and I'm going to give it right to you, so you better mean what you say. And this is we where we see the tide turn, and on Haley's run home, we get the inspirational music. Let's go. And boom! She's in this bitch. We got a training motherfucking montage. I love a training montage. If you like falling, then gymnastics is the sport for you. You get to fall on your face, your ass, your back, your knees, and your pride. Good thing I didn't like falling. I loved it! She stunned her teammates, spectators, and coaches alike by walking out of the arena. 
and into an automatic disqualification. Trisha will try to make that world championship team one more time and win that elusive world championship hardware. You got it burning, burning. I keep it yearning, yearning. You got so I just showed Lizzie the first training montage where Haley is getting in proper shape, uh, as well as the ice bath scene. Dude, she is. God, I'm such a child. She's so hot. <laughs> okay, this scene. Okay, just like brain stew. Love Green it. Day. Love it. And then this whole clear opposition of Haley, like loving this sport because she can push it to her absolute max, but hating this sport because of how it tries to shove her into this like conformed little way of doing things. I mean, it's it's such a great push and pull, and she's such at odds with the rest of the world of gymnastics, and nothing personifies it more than this montage. But then ice bath. Is that the scene you were talking about earlier? Yeah. Damn, she she was she's so how does she have that many abs? <laughs> she's she's have you ever had a dream? <laughs> have you ever and then I was and it, it's like yeah, she really no. I really wanted to be her. No, and this is the Shane effect that yes. happened in the early 2000s. You want to be just like them, but you want to be with them. Yes. And so you're just trying to get close enough to the material to like, I don't know, absorb any of it that you can. Like there are some movies that I've fixated on and like, I don't know what I was trying to do by watching them a million times that I think I would just become that character. Like, what do you think it is that drew you to this film? I think it was a lot of the things that drew, drew you to this film, like the confidence of this character, the like extroversion of this character, the like absolution this character has in themselves and their abilities, even though they understand that like the world of the sport that they live in is properly against them. They know that they are capable to rise above that. And if at any point in Haley's career, she knows that if she just accepts the convention and doesn't fight the system, that she's going to be number one on every marker. Yeah. But that's not good enough for her. So I, there's alluring things in like the character, but she's also super fucking hot. So hot. That ice bath scene is everything for like a myriad of reasons because it, it bookends the scene Lizzie's talking about, which is like monumental to the film. The pacing's really fantastic. And like also she like pulls herself out of this ice bath and everything is, what's it called? Everything is flexed. Like, it's like, ugh. And I'm gay, so like... <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? But the thing about this character, and you catch moments of it uh, the further we go into the film, but she has, like, this certain vulnerability and these hidden issues um, that are all so relatable for young people battling with family issues you know, growing up in their adolescence. And, you know, it harkens back to the Shane effect. You know, it's like this wounded puppy thing that you can not only see like the confidence of the person that you want to be, but you also see that they too have weaknesses in this way that they can't control. And it's magnetic. Like for me, that's what really drew me too. is sure all the badass scenes of her being like ripped and like rebellious, but it was like the quiet scenes where she's like, has this damage from like this family relationship that's abusive and this like professional relationship that was abusive and together it's just like you got it all <laughs> it's a big tumultuous tornado of queer emotion i just love to think of me and lizzie in 2006 
not knowing each other, years from our friendship, pressing play on this at the same time, being like, she's such a complex character that has abs and is really hot. <laughs> God, our little parallel <laughs> lives, and, and we got to intersect. Ah, so lovely. <laughs> so... Haley's getting chastised because she won't stop throwing hard tricks, even at the threat of injury to herself. But she finally joins the rest of the girls saying, I want to control my tricks to Bert. And again, with the like fantastic cinematography and like the following scenes when you see all the girls together, just like in what could be like menial cuts, they just do these beautiful aerials where the gymnasts create these like... Um, these shapes with their bodies and move in like synchronization, sort of like synchronized scrim- swimming when you see aerial shots of that. It's just really beautiful. It's just a nice touch. This this is that editing and cinematography style I was alluding to earlier. That's just like, you didn't need to shoot it like that. Not at all. You could have just like done some medium close-ups, a couple of establishing and bada bing, bada boom. But there's so much style in how that is pulled off. Yeah. there. I mean, every single extra is like a world champion whatever yeah so it's like you have the talent like fucking shoot it like you give a shit and they do like and it's beautiful because i mean gymnastics is an art of like bodily expression and the best way to capture that is through film obviously um so you can really play with the shapes of that in an interesting way which i'm glad that they did here as a teenager i don't think that's something i appreciated but it's something i appreciate now and so they go to uh i guess nationals i think it's what it's called um, so it's the one that precedes worlds. Yeah. And Haley gets mean bugged by everyone there because she walked out of worlds previously. She's like pretty much a black sheep. Yeah. Before the competition starts, Haley gets slushied. Mm. And the person said, that was for worlds. And the person who slushies Haley is actually her stunt double. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. God, I was so fooled. I'm such a fool for thinking that this actress could be both a gymnast and such a great actress. You're not a fool. You're hopeful. It just, it was seamless to me. I had no reason to think that that was a stunt double. Yeah. I mean, the editing is also really fantastic. There's not a point where you were like, hey, that's somebody else. So Haley is poised to get first place when her mother pulls her aside and tries to convince her to go back to her old coach, DeFrank, mm. who looks like a massive creep. Yeah, absolutely. He looks like he would, like, touch you. I think that's, like, the more accurate insinuation here, though I think in the story they're like, oh, her mom left her dad for this asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that's kind of always what was in the back of my mind. Even like as a kid, I was like, this guy's a fucking creep and he didn't treat you right, huh? Yeah. Like her her initial fear of him always read to me like, why are you so afraid of him? It's not the like my parents, you know, yeah. divorce thing. But I understand why that wouldn't work in the context of this film. Um, but her mother continues to tell her that her father has paid Bert four times the amount anyone is paying him to to take Haley, which she sees as a huge betrayal. Yeah. So as she begins her beam routine, she like breaks down and her like tears hit the beam. Such a pretty scene that really hit me hard as a kid. And she's also very like subdued. Like she doesn't throw like the hardest dismount. She doesn't hit the hardest tricks. It's a really sad moment. Oh, that really got me as a kid. It's that wounded puppy thing. Yeah. She's like, like she finally thought she could trust someone. And Bert asks her like, basically... Bert's trying to tell her, like, please don't walk out of this. When Haley is not receptive to Bert's words, he says, maybe you should just go back to DeFrank. And that's when we learn that DeFrank slept with Haley's mom. Haley says, I was there long enough for him to rip my family apart. Yeah. 
And the moment that she found out was the moment before she walked out at Worlds. Yeah. Great writing. Still to this day, that's very effective to me. Yeah, absolutely. Because previously in the film, everyone's like, why'd you do it? Did you choke? You just, you're a chicken. Well, you got scared. And it's not something that she can vocalize because she's a wounded little puppy. Yeah. And also, like, how do you talk about that betrayal of yet more adults in your life who are then just trying to, like, shove you back on their own track? And then, like, the whole pers- and her persona of being, like, this butch boss baddie is just kind of hide behind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't win in this world without being perfect all the time, without your life being perfect and easy all the time. Yes. Um, and she's just not an easy person inherently. So it's like, I think that's something she had to learn the hard way. So she leaves in a huff and basically goes to the judge where the judge tells Haley that her restitution is settled. Um, So Haley returns to BGA where Bert tells Haley that he paid the restitution with her father's money, which is so nice. Yeah. It's like the kindest thing he can do to show that like his trust is back in her. Yeah. Like you're not here because someone paid a lot of money. The money doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I believe in you. The money doesn't matter. So... All of the gymnasts go out and they go to the mall. But this is, I mentioned this scene because Joanne asks Haley, is Frank like your boyfriend? Haley goes, like, no. And Joanne says, is Poot? And Haley goes, no. Joanne says, why not? (laughs) And Haley goes, ew. (laughs) When they are two of the most conventionally good looking boys I've ever seen. And like also good people. Yeah, really, really nice and supportive to her. But uh, I don't know, maybe they're just gross for some reason. Weird. So at the National Gymnastics Championships, Haley pulls Trisha aside. This is the one that everyone speculates is her ex because, you know, she kind of screwed her over at Worlds. Uh, This actress is Tara Page, who Mm -hmm. is an Olympic bronze medalist on the 2001 U.S. team. Okay, so she's a real gymnast turned actor for this film. Yes, um, she is a prolific stunt double. Like her IMDb page is like credits upon credits. Um, But she also does some like minor acting work. And this is like her first major role, if you would consider it major, because she has like more than a few lines and has like a name. She's not like dancing Swimmest or whatever. <laughs> Dancing swimmest. Number six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see the romantic or perceived sexual tension between these cute characters. Like, that would be where my money went in this world because, like, where are the other girls on her team that are so mad? Like, why is it Trisha that's, like, doubly betrayed? Yeah, why are you like why are you apologizing to this one gymnast? And also why does Trisha come around in the end, you know, and ultimately chooses Haley's side and follows her lead? So Yeah. I see it absolutely hundred percent. I see it too. This Ship is, it. This is some L word fucking shit right here. Yeah. So Trisha's not hearing this apology, walks off, and then the games begin. Let's go. Haley says, it doesn't matter how hard we run or how high we flip. Leave your hands on the vault table too long, deduction. If you use one arm instead of two, big deduction. And if your feet clip the vault before they hit the floor, you're done. So the first day is basically everyone trying to win like an all-around ranking, which basically means like you're good enough in every single event to place in the top, which would get you a seat to Worlds. Haley only scores sevenths, which means that she has to score one in the events which happen the next day. So you have to be the best thing at one event in particular. 
So that happens on day two, and we start at the vault, where Mina, who, like I said, is an actual gymnast, performs perfectly, but gets a deduction for her bra strap showing. Her bra? She's flipping (laughs) in the air. (laughs) Bert says, the rule is ancient. And the judge says, apparently so is her bra. So is her bra. (laughs) So... Everyone is upset that Mina, who did a perfect 10 out of 10 routine, did not get a 10. So Haley gets up to the vault, looks pissed. She pulls her bra straps out, walks up to the vault and scratches. So scratches is basically when you're just like, I'm not performing, actually. I'll take a zero. (laughs) Yeah. Which encourages everyone after her to do the very same. They all pull their bra straps out and go up and scratch, which makes Mina the one and only winner of the vault. So there is no silver and there is no bronze. It is just Mina and she's going to Worlds. I love how at this point in the film, it kind of becomes like gymnast against convention. Like it plays into her whole arc of wanting to rage against the machine, but still perform their tricks. And it always just tickled me that she's able to start this like mini revolution in an industry that's probably never seen revolution. Yeah. I mean... Watching it now as an adult, I'm like, this is such a teen movie. But watching it as a Mm -hmm. teen, I was like, this is like the equivalent of Rocky to me right now. (laughs) Yeah, this is where those like aforementioned slight plot holes come into play because what, 50, a thousand of these gymnasts is going to scratch to get where they need to go. But I I completely understand what you're saying with logistics. Like there are like four events and there are like 30 gymnasts competing. So it's like, why would half of them give up any chance that they could. But I'm not here to poke holes. I I think I only had those questions on my last watch as like a 30-year-old woman. I was not <laughs> thinking this from ages 12 to 29. No, absolutely. You know why I wasn't thinking? I wasn't thinking because this song was playing. And a teenager doing anything semi-cool with this song playing. I'm sorry. You're like, fucking flip your bed. Fuck your fuck your homework. Flip off your mom. <laughs> we're going to war. What did I think we were fighting for as teenagers? That's the thing as teenagers. You just wanted to fight. And, and you wanted to fight with your friends. And you wanted all your friends to have abs. Yeah. And this, this is how I imagined... My life, you know, is the main character syndrome of uh, adolescence, and this movie enabled that for sure. Absolutely, and it's only made more powerful by the following scenes where all of the gymnasts band together and choose the winner for each event, and when they choose a winner, everyone else scratches, so like I said, there's no silver and there's no bronze. After this continues for a while, Trisha subs in to ruin their plan because Trisha will perform, so the scratching is meaningless. We get to the beam event, which Weiwei is selected to win. Trisha performs, gets like a pretty decent score. And then we get Weiwei's performance, which I'm going to show you now. I love this scene. I love Weiwei. I think the judges are trying to figure out what is going to happen. I'm not so sure either, Elfie. She's going for it. Yeah, it looks like we got another routine here. I love this scene. It is, this song lives in my head. I can watch this entire movie pressing play, but particularly this scene. 
Uh, I I know this scene doesn't really lend well to a podcast because no one is saying <laughs> anything, but like I could not rob Lizzie of seeing this scene today. But basically, Weiwei gets up there knowing that at the very least she's going to win silver because everyone else is going to scratch. So she just fucking starts breakdancing to Baby Come Baby by K7 and does an incredible job. Uh, so in this particular scene, Weiwei has a gymnastic stunt double as well as a breakdancing stunt double who does like the head spinning, yeah, you know? so good. Uh Fucking love it. Well, this is such a great moment because, you know, we know Weiwei has not been practicing to this song and she's like kind of has this ability to just say, fuck it. Like, I'm going to express my unique style in this one moment and everyone has to watch and I'm going to be awarded for it. Um, but she like totally kills it. I think she does come in second in this. She does. Yeah. She does come in second. Does. Trisha does take first. But I think that's also part of Trisha's turning point to be like, well, Gold doesn't actually feel that good when Weiwei looks so cool. <laughs> and it's also funny because Floor is the only event that gets music. None of the yeah. other gym, gymnastic events do. So, like, Weiwei's doing this in complete silence. She's <laughs> 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 just, like, spinning She's on her like, head. She's like, I know this song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, fantastic. So we get to our final event. We get to the crux of the film. So... It's Haley versus Trisha on the floor. Trisha yeah. makes a rude comment and Haley says, look around. This is bigger than us because they've gained a lot of attention for basically like giving a middle finger to the judges for yeah. having really strict rules that are like so fucking patriarchal. How do you how do you expect not to see a woman's bra? She's like you're saying she's flipping through the air. Yeah. And why does that equate to her skill? Like it's always about not only performing perfect but looking perfect mm -hmm. and like that's really what they're fighting against they're happy to put in the work to perform but it's like come on like I am who I am I have the style I want to have and yeah I'm like totally I'm like rage against that shit it's fucking you're right it's patriarchal it's bullshit we're performing feats that less than 0.001% of yeah. the population can do and putting our lives at risk yeah why do you care how my bangs are styled like yeah. it's fucking bullshit or if the music is too loud because she mentioned that at one point if the floor music is like too frenzied deduction <laughs> it's like you end before the song does huge deduction yeah yeah just like tiny fucking shit like that so Haley's up but before she can step out onto the floor, Bert calls her back and says, oh. I just want you to know, I'm so proud to be your coach. And like, she's like crying, at the, like her eyes are welling up with tears. She's like telling him to stop because she's going to cry. And he says, so don't hold back and floor it. <laughs> this film does such a good job in creating these little intimate spaces for these two characters to have like that deep connection moment. And if Jeff Bridges told me he was proud of me, you better believe I would I would be emotional about Call it. my dad be like, sorry, uh, get a new job because Jeff Bridges is proud of me. <laughs> I no longer need your approval. <laughs> Jeff Bridges thinks I'm great. Yeah, so we see Haley fucking eat it up Ow. on the motherfucking floor. Okay, can you get into the Criterion Collection with just a scene? Like, is there such a thing as, like, a Criterion clip? <laughs> criterion clip? No, but that's genius. It's like, it's we like couldn't a, admit the full film. However. It's like a hit clip. <laughs> I, I was, I literally just tweeted this the other day, but I was like, do you ever get, like, movie scenes stuck in your head instead of music lyrics? Because that happens to me all the time. I had 
you know, they're porking like on a semi-regular basis. That has been stuck in my head for a week now. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And this scene is worthy of such a thing. It's to our lawyers made us change the name of this song by Mm -hmm. Fallout fucking boy. (laughs) Instrumental, mind you. And I know in my heart of hearts that this is actually the song she chose for her floor. I don't need that to be confirmed by production. Uh, I know that to be true. Because yes. me as an audience can hear it, and me as a person can hear it, and that's what I choose to You believe. can have that. So she eats it up. She only gets a 9.10 because they don't like her very much. And as Trisha steps on the floor, she gives like a knowing look, but now I know it's like a horny look mm-hmm. over to mm-hmm. Haley. And she pulls her bra strap out and scratches. Aww. And then they have sex. And they have sex. And they ice bath. Stop. I have to go home and read fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the movie's over. There's like a scene where Bert tells Haley that she's being scouted by a ton of colleges where she says, maybe I should tell them to stick it. It's just such a good open ending because they go to Worlds and maybe she goes to the Olympics. Maybe she goes to college and has sex with women's. Some of that is happening. She's definitely having sex with Trish. Yeah. They're definitely, like, meeting for a coffee after this. All right, Lizzie. So that's the film. Let me tell you a little bit about how it was received. Okay. With a budget of $20 million, it went on to make $32 million in the box office alone. Okay. Uh, while commercially successful, it was not a critical hit. It had a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars. I, I feel like I should have, like, a stinker button every time <laughs> Roger Ebert, like, fucking pops off at the mouth because no one asked you. I mean, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes at this point, like, unless it's an Oscar bait movie, they're not they're not approving of any movie. Like, so many of my favorite movies that I hold dear have, like, negative review after negative review. And I'm like, what are the critics looking for? Like, wh- I guess we have to come in and fill that void of, like, critics who can just, like, enjoy something for what it is and not, like, the made-up hyper academic taste that they have yeah i think you know obviously when i say roger ebert no one asks you like he's employed and people give a shit people do ask him i don't particularly ask him i don't think that he is qualified to judge teen movies or children's movies because he's said a bunch of stupid shit about how they're childish and there are for children um he said the movie seems to fear that if it pauses long enough to actually be about gymnastics the audience will grow restless what? There's plenty of moments that are soft and intimate and different tones. Like, I don't see that to be the case at all. Whatever. Spoiler alert, he gave Bring It On the exact same score. So um, no one asked you. Speaking of criterion collection selection, <laughs> we really need to talk to them about Bring It On. Bring It On. But as Lizzie <laughs> was saying, like, movies can be good and not enjoyable. Movies can be enjoyable and not good. It's all subjective, but like... Just because a movie isn't technically Oscar bait doesn't mean that it's not a good film. That's up for you to decide. And just don't take any advice from Roger Ebert. Rest in peace. I will quote Patrick from the film My Policeman, which we covered last week. And he says, taste is simply knowing how something makes you feel. And I think a lot of critics are afraid to like 